Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill, call sign Firestar. And I'm Dylan Johnson, call sign Drifter. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. And strap in, buckle up, and throw on your aviator shades because we feel the need, the need to talk about the long-awaited, long-delayed blockbuster legacy sequel that is taking flight in theaters all around the country. That's right, we were talking about none other than Top Gun Maverick. start off with some news and the trial that has been sucking up media attention for the past six weeks or so johnny Depp versus amber heard it has concluded the verdict is in on the third day the jury finished their deliberations and returned the verdict and we have sort of a mixed bag but a clear victory on depp's side he got 10 million in compensate compensatory charges whatever that is and then the punitive ones he got five million so it was a total of 15 million but there's a cap on the punitive charges so he only gets three hundred thousand of that and then heard on one of her counts of defamation and her countersuit got two million so ultimately it'll be a 8.325 million victory going towards dep so yeah finally it has ended what a ride it has been indeed I'm exhausted by it. I've seen so many videos. It's taken many weeks, and I'm glad we can finally move on. Yeah. And by the way, the word was compensatory. Compensatory. There you go. The word That's is the one. compensatory. Yeah, I know that was such a struggle. Punitive came out easy. Just rolled off the tongue. Become compensatory. Crazy. Can you use it in a sentence? Uh, Johnny Depp was awarded $10 million in compensatory charges. Why is that such a hard word? I don't understand. I don't know. Compensatory isn't that hard to say. Compensatory. Compensatory. I always try and say it like that. Compensatory. I don't know why. Compense. Compensatory. Yeah. Just think of Mike Pence. I know. Mike Compensatory. <laughs> See, now it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. In other news, Ray Liotta passed away last week, which is... Absolutely devastating. He was the lead in my favorite movie of all time, Goodfellas, an astounding actor. I can see him right now on on my Goodfellas poster on my wall. He will be sorely missed. Indeed. That was very tragic. He was only 67. Yeah. So kind of abrupt. It's very sad. In other news, Toby Emmerich is stepping down as the chairman of Warner Brothers. So this is another development in the Discovery takeover. So David Zaslav, the new CEO of that merger, he has talked with Emmerich, and he will be stepping down, but he's still sticking around with Warner Brothers. He'll have a five-year producing deal with them, so he's not getting thrown overboard and completely fired. He's just stepping down to make way for new people that are more in line with the vision that Zaslav has for Warner Brothers in these coming years. Yep. And Tarantino's book about the influence of 70s films on him called Cinema Speculation is due to be released in October of this year. That's exciting. I didn't know he's writing a book. It is, yeah. His second 
book after the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that rounds out his two-book deal with Harper Collins. So then he'll probably be back to making a film. And then that's supposed to be his last one, right? His very next one. Yeah. Maybe he'll write more books. That's what he said his plan was. He's like, once I'm done with the books, I'll just be writing books. Or once I'm done with films, I'll be writing once I'm books. I'm done with those books. Time to crack <laughs> at it again at those books. <laughs> He's going to finish those books and then he'll work on books. More books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's time to do our box office breakdown for the Memorial Day weekend of May 27th to the 30th. Of course, in number one, breaking records, shattering expectations, blowing minds, <laughs> top gun maverick it made 126 million in the three day and 160 million in the four day because of memorial day that breaks the record for the biggest memorial day weekend opening beating out pirates of the caribbean at world's end which was 153 million for the four day total yeah so that is amazing astonishing first of all i'd like to point out dylan what was your prediction last week like 60 something <laughs> it was not great i mean nah, we all, wasn't a very good prediction we were all stunned i think by this i mean yeah. it exceeded all expectations for sure but i think you might have beaten my prediction for uh no time to die i think it said like 90 million something it was 55 million so mm-hmm. i think you have now beaten me out for the least good prediction <laughs> so interesting interesting times there but yeah, Top Gun Maverick for this might be the one that got away in our box office draft. It's already shaping up to be that way because yeah. it is pulling an incredible run during this week as well. On that Monday, so the Memorial Day had the fifth best Monday ever. So that's behind films like Endgame and No Way Home. Uh, so stiff, stiff competition there. And then, of course, we were talking about Last week, is it going to be his top grocer? It had to be 64 million, which was War of the Worlds. Uh, it obviously did way more than that. And it Dominated. now means, yeah, it now means that Tom Cruise is on his fifth decade of having a film that has crossed more than 100 million domestically in its theatrical run. And of course, this one did it in just one weekend. So he is a bona fide star. And he, of course, brought Maverick to the height of the record books with Memorial Day. So that's amazing to see. Yeah. And in terms of its long-term prospects, get this. It is definitely going to cross 350 million domestic, sure. which is crazy because that beats out Top Gun's entire worldwide gross back in 86. Mm-hmm. It's also it's going to cross 400 million domestic. It really really is, which means it's going to be the Batman in its domestic run. And it probably is going to beat out if it really holds well, has really good legs, which it's going to play all throughout summer. It's going to play through July 4th holiday. So it's got a good placement here. It's probably going to get up to 450 million. And that'll beat out Doctor Strange domestically as well. It's crazy. Which is, yeah, amazing. Something we were not expecting many months ago. One slide for our box office draft. That's what I'm saying. I regret not replacing the Flash with this. Instead of uh, Bullet Train. I picked Bullet Train and I should have picked this. Yeah, because it'll certainly outgrow Bullet Train. Yeah. And it, again, worldwide, it could also beat out the Batman. It'll certainly cross 700 million. I think that's a given. And it might even get up to 800 million, which would put it past the Batman. So this is definitely Crazy. a film that we, had we been a bit more confident in in Tom Cruise and his vision for 
this type of blockbuster. I mean, Paramount, they held it for years because this was a film that was done a long time ago and they held it all throughout the pandemic because they wanted it in theaters. Yeah. And talk about paying off. I mean, this got a massive response, very positive reviews, very positive fan reaction, and a very, very big payday for everyone involved. So this will be a very fun film to watch in the box office breakdowns for the weeks ahead. Yeah, this movie wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, radar. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. In second place was Doctor Strange 2 with 15 million in the three day and 20 million in the four day. That means its domestic total is at 374 million and its worldwide total is 872 million, which means it just surpassed the Batman domestically, which ended up around 369 million. Indeed. The Bob's Burgers movie also debuted this weekend. It had 12.4 million in the three day and 14 million in the four day. So, not a crazy, crazy good performance, but I think everyone knew that it has a very particular audience and it seems they did show up at least in that first weekend so we'll see how that shapes out in the coming weeks as well after bob's burgers was downton abbey with 5.7 million and coming after that the bad guys with 4.3 million everything everywhere all at once made 2.5 million after 10 weeks woohoo yep sticking in there sonic 2 also staying in the top 10 2.4 million the Lost City, 1.8 million, meaning it cracked 100 million domestic. It hit the century mark. There you go. And for the record, Sandra Bullock, that's also her fourth decade having a film that has crossed 100 million domestic. So nice. star power for her and for Tom Cruise. Men had 1.2 million. What is this movie? F3? <laughs> it's unrelated to the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, it's F3, Fun and Frustration. <laughs> What is that? It's another Bollywood film. Oh, okay. Well, I guess a Bollywood film made one million. <laughs> Interesting. And, yeah. And in 11th place, outside of the top 10, Fantastic Beasts falls below one million. Only got 850,000. And it only has 94 million domestic. And it just hit HBO Max. So this yeah. will not be crossing 100 million. Wild. Very sad. Not really. Oh, well, it's time to do our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend of June 3rd through June 5th. This is going to be a very light week. There's not much coming out. We're anticipating a bigger show next week with Jurassic World Dominion. It's going to be epic. But of the things coming out this weekend, there's only one big-ish release, which is Crimes of the Future. It's a David Cronenberg film. It's starring Viggo Mortensen and Kristen Stewart. I feel like this is a very niche film. I feel like it's not going to get a lot of attention i'll say like no more than eight million yeah i'd go more like four million almost as a ceiling for that because i don't anticipate doing well i mean i guess it's a horror-esque like it's the body horror draw so maybe that'll get people in there it's cronenberg it's mortensen yeah but it's also it's a limited release so it's not not gonna make any waves at all yeah exactly Uh, but in terms of News for the long-range box office, Lightyear and Minions, two films that are on our rosters. I have Lightyear, you have Minions. Apparently, they're also not going to get released in China. Fuck! So... (laughs) At least there's one each, you know? Exactly. It evens out, but yeah, once again, the Chinese box office, a coveted thing since it can push someone over the edge, but for most of the films that we have on our rosters, it's... Not going to be able to rely on China. Man, what a bummer. Indeed. But okay, it is now time to talk about 
Top Gun Maverick. First of all, you recently just watched the first Top Gun. So give us some thoughts on that. It's an old, I mean, at this point, yeah, old 80s film. Quite different from the movies that we got nowadays. But it was Mm. heavily, I mean, it was the number one movie of 1986. made a boatload of money. It rung in Tom Cruise as a bona fide star way back then. So what were your thoughts going into this movie for your very first time? Yeah, uh... I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the dynamic between Goose and Maverick was very enjoyable. I thought Goose was like the best part of that movie. He's great. He's very lovable in that, which is great because a lot of it relies on also spoiler for Top Gun. And then we'll get into spoilers for Top Gun Maverick as well. But yeah, the film needs you to really, really take to Goose for that whole death to work. Mm -hmm. And it does. That was the thing that was most impressed going back on a rewatch was most impressed with that is they really for a solid like 10, 15 minutes, they just have you sit in Maverick's grief about Goose's death. Yeah. So I love that they really, yeah, they drew that out. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very campy. It's very much like the most eighties and eighties movie could be. Exactly. I had fun with (laughs) it. Did take itself a little too seriously at times, but I thought I had fun with it. I thought it was enjoyable at least. I thought the romance wasn't as fleshed out as it could have been. I felt like there was a lot of uh, cutting corners with that romance, like lack of importance. I felt like everything else was more important than that, which it shouldn't be. You know, I feel like there should be more importance on the romance. But overall, I give it a four out of five. I I really liked it. Four out of five uh, great balls of fire. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I I really enjoyed it. What about you, Ryan? You've seen it several times. Yeah. Well, once again, I mean, it's... It is a staple in this household since I have a pilot father. So that obviously puts it up in like sacred territory. And I think the 80s charm of it, it taking itself too seriously. uh, I think that's one of the greatest strengths that it has. It's just fun. Just going back into that time, that period in filmmaking. Mm. It's just, it's a fun ride. Uh, And again, I think what you said there about the romance going back on the rewatch it's weird that they had four consecutive scenes just dedicated to the romance like they tried to do a like the chase they are 
trying to be tracking together, but they know it's wrong because like, oh, we're in a student teacher dynamic. Like mm-hmm. She's the boss here. Can't yeah. be doing that stuff. But then they fall into it. It happens in like four scenes back to back to back. I was like, it was a very odd choice to not break them up. And then they also had the needle drop for take my breath away. Mm-hmm. Just every single time. So in those four consecutive scenes, we hear that four separate times. It's just funny. And then culminating in them eating each other's faces off. Yeah. The tongue action was <laughs> crazy, bro. It but, started, that scene started and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then it just kept going and I was like, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, well, they really leaned into it. I yeah, I think the hammer was a cannibal. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> Good thing he wasn't in, in this film. I feel like there's an alternate universe where Army Hammer would have been cast as Rooster. one of the pilots in this, like either as Rooster or as Hangman. So thank God we missed that universe. But yeah, the original Top Gun. I think the as it goes on, it gets better and better because again, I really love the turn that they take with really treating Goose's death with a lot of significance, and I love the final third act battle that they have in that one i think it pays off really really well i think the action in that like the beginning of the film is a little hard to follow which makes sense but towards the end i think it became much easier to follow the action uh and in this film top gun maverick i think that's a problem that is solved from the get-go like it's really easy to follow the action that's happening you know where people are you know like the placement of them in the air yeah, um, you can see like you can use the scenery in the background in order to add to that placement. So that was an issue in the very beginning of Top, Book, Top Gun that they fixed, I think, in the final few aerial sequences. And Top Gun yeah. Maverick, the whole way through, it's just marvelous what they're able to do with those aerial sequences. Yeah, the effects are fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah, so Top Gun, again, I think it's a film that isn't a great film film, but the attachment people have to it, mm-hmm. me included, it's just fun to go back and revisit. So it is one of those guilty pleasure type of films. For sure. Top Gun Maverick. Also not like the height of cinema, but also it's the height of cinema. Like I mean, you go amazing. into theaters and you want the big surround sound to just hit you, just attack you. You want the visuals on the screen to just jump at you. And that is what this film offers. I couldn't believe how good it was. It was That's so what I'm good. Saying. Like it is, this is what you want out of blockbusters. It's just, it is like, that is the, this is the mark. This is where you want to hit if you're making a blockbuster film and it executes perfectly on all of those areas of making a blockbuster film. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, it, it does the thing that a lot of these reboots don't do a lot or sequels to older films. And what they don't do is not only connect to the original film through nostalgia and through similar plot lines and things like that without being too unoriginal while also maintaining like new things that can freshen it up. Like you look at the new Star Wars movies, the sequels, or you look at like the new Jurassic World movies and, you know, they're trying to build on what's already been done, but they're kind of, treading the same waters over and over again and falling into tropes. Whereas in Top Gun Maverick, it feels like they're doing something new while also respecting the film that came before and why it's so great. When you mm-hmm. have the reference in there, 
the references in it for sure. Like the opening sequence with all the flights and uh, Danger Zone playing, which, which is so fantastic good. in so both it, movies. And both of them is fantastic. It is. And you also the, uh, a point to to that. When's the last time you saw in a big blockbuster opening credits where they actually played oh, a few of the actor's name and the crew's name over the opening credits? I love that. I love that. It set I've the tone that, yeah. and it's an homage to the original back when films did open up with opening credits. So yeah. I love that aspect to it as well. Yeah. There's uh, the beach scene where they're playing football in reference to the volleyball scene in the first movie. You've got great balls of fire in the bar. You've got the same idea of like pilots in a training thing at Top Gun. Like they're, they're mirroring the plot but it's like an actual mirror where instead of like it being one to one, it is very much a reflection of like it's different. But like, I feel like it's a very stupid analogy that I just said, <laughs> but it's it's like uh, what are those things from from Breaking Bad chiral elements where the opposite sure. are the opposites of each other, but they're mirrors. Left what hand, a, right hand. You know what I'm fucking saying? You pulled out Breaking Bad to save your analogy here. I tried chiral elements. Yeah, you remember uh, no, that where, where he's like I, left hand, right hand, they're mirrors of each other, but laid over one another, they're the opposites. You don't remember that scene in Breaking Bad? No. Where when you know, was he's, that exactly? when he's he's teaching to the students, he's talking about chiral uh compounds, chiral compounds. They're the opposites of each other. And then he uses it later to like come up with like a poison or something. Like he it comes back later. This is the whole thing Why I remember. Because that, that's like a very specific thing to remember. Well, I remember I watching that scene with Alexa and Alexa being like, I learned about this already in class. I don't want to learn about <laughs> it again. Wow. So that's probably what impressed it into your mind. I mean, I remember everything about Breaking Bad. I remember everything about Breaking Bad. Gotcha. Well, so the Cairo elements, again, I don't know if it's a perfect analogy, but I, I sort of understand what you're saying. It definitely is hitting some of the same plot points and a lot of them there's specific callbacks which they do in order to sprinkle in that nostalgia but there is a new story taking place and it's that it's not this hotshot pilot coming in who needs to learn to chill out and not be so reckless and dangerous as it is in the first one which is a lot more of like that direct competition between him and uh Iceman for most of it and then he has to overcome his newfound like sense of worry over oh, i can't do anything i can't take any risks which then puts other people at risk that's sort of what's going on in the original top gun and this one it's more of that story pseudo father-son story of him and rooster and trying to do the same thing of protecting him while also preparing everyone else to take on this mission that can only be done with a certain degree not of recklessness but of daring that maverick brings to it mm. and so i love that the central focus is different. And also there's a specific mission from the very beginning in this film. In the original, there was none of that. It was just sort of in the third act. All of a sudden we're like, uh-oh, we got a real life enemy that we got to take down. Yep. In this one, from the very beginning, you know we are working towards an actual real life combat scenario mm. and we need to prepare for that. So it's those two distinctions in the plot that I think help make it feel fresh and new. And it's an older Maverick. So obviously we're dealing with elements of that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the same beats are hit and all the same callbacks do happen. Like the ones you mentioned, the whole beach scene uh, coming back into play, the great balls of fire, things like that, um, that plot wise help to make it feel familiar, but then also allow us to have that emotional connection to the original. We want to recognize certain iconic elements of Top Gun 
and they utilize them really effectively i think in this one without like making them too heavy-handed or making it all about the nostalgia yes there is still enough of that originality of this new plot line that they have so they did again as far as legacy sequels go this is like a top tier one because it's able to strike that balance that you were bringing up thank you for uh pontificating what i was trying to say <laughs> anytime anytime <laughs> You can be my wingman anytime, right? <laughs> you can be mine. <laughs> so nice. Good. I mean, um, as cheesy as that dialogue is in the original, it's just so iconic. It's just so classic. That's what I'm saying. Incredible. You just got to give yourself over to the cheesiness. Same yeah. deal with, like what we were talking about with Doctor Strange the other time, when Sam Raimi will just go into these very cheesy stylistic choices. I love that in the year 2022, we can get some of that. And in Top Gun Maverick, they do the same sort of thing. Like some of those dialogue choices that they have are just absurd. Like the one she says of, we're, we're the best pilots on the planet. Who are yeah. they going to get to teach us? <laughs> like it's silly, but it, it works so well. I love it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's go through this movie beat by beat. We've already talked about the opening credits. Danger Zone. Awesome. Like it's just, it's just so good. It is. Did so you see this? So in, did you see this in IMAX? I saw it in Dolby. Ooh, okay, good it choice. It was incredible. Lovely. I saw it in IMAX. And when that thing came on, I mean, people were waiting for it. They were expecting it. You go into it, you're hoping you're going to hear it. And then yeah. they deliver. And people were like rocking in their chairs. They were like fist bumping when it came on. It's just it so great. good. It it's is. so good. And following that scene, we have the whole bit where you're meeting Maverick and you're like getting reintroduced to him as a character. You're seeing his connection to his past. He's still got pictures of Bradley and of goose up on his wall and pictures of him and Iceman and all that stuff and his connection to the first movie which i think is funny that the pictures they use are just stills from the first movie <laughs> it's true as if, as if what we're watching is someone taking a picture <laughs> like they have the 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 picture of him shaking hands with Iceman, and it's like you just took that as a still mm -hmm. i think that's kind of funny they gotta but, do what they uh, gotta do it would be funny though to think <laughs> some person on deck of the carriers like this will be a great picture they'll really appreciate this and he just snaps a photo of them shaking hands yeah, it's funny to think that that in the story world, that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, then after we get that little reintroduction, we learn that he is a test pilot for a very, very fast plane. Very, very fast jet. The fastest jet, if anything. And uh, he wants to do one more final test to push or he's doing the second to last test, pushing it to nine G's before they can later push it to 10 G's. And they're finding out that the. Uh, or it was to mock, right? Mock nine, mock 10, because that's the speed. Mach 10. Yeah, You're right. He's trying to get to Mach 9 and then later Mach 10. And then uh, he's finding out that the, the plug is getting pulled in favor of droneless flights. And like they, they do a thing where they put like the weight of this uh, funding being pulled and like the whole idea of like pilots existing on his shoulders. Like if he doesn't finish this flight, drones will be taking taking over. There will be no more pilots. So exactly. They put that on his shoulders, which is makes it more intense. Not as believable, but it does make it like more of a tense situation that if he doesn't do this, there just won't be any pilots flying. There just won't be any more Top Gun, like right. plot. Like the plot's over. <laughs> exactly. So he's still he like he's like let's just let's just do it. Let's just go to Mach ten. Let's skip nine and just go straight to ten. And mm -hmm. so like that whole that whole build up to it is very tense, where they're like loading the the giant plane up onto this giant runway, and you've got Ed Harris coming in. Even though he's barely in the movie 
I just I forgot he was in it when the when the credits started rolling and they showed his name and I was like, where have you been? <laughs> You're in the first 15 minutes and then never again. Mm, but, but he yeah, has he, he's given a great moment when they launch, oh, knowing that the admiral is here, and they yeah. launch and he's at the check post and he just stands firm as the plane goes over him and everything everything moves except Ed Harris. Like he takes one step back, but he stands planted where he is. Just a great shot. Great shot. It's followed by a series of great shots where he's just hitting Mach 10. He's going to it and he's pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And like, you could see him like, like you could see like the, the the stars and all the clouds and stuff whipping past him. And it starts Mm -hmm. to become more confused and more just streaks of light. And it just becomes so beautiful. Like what must that be like hitting Mach 10? Like that's got to be crazy. And then he becomes the fastest man alive, which is awesome. Just a great way to start the movie is to just make Maverick the fastest man alive. And like, I love the shot where they show like the wide of America and he's like going all the way from California over to like what Oklahoma or something and is doing. I don't know. That's what I was trying to figure out because number one, it was far out where he landed. Like they didn't look like they were in current day. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, it was some southern or mid southern uh state that he ended up in. But yeah, that's also so cool to think that he can travel that far. And then I also like that fitting in with his character. He may be older, but he's still that same daring, a little bit reckless maverick. Once he's completed the mission and he's hopefully saved everyone else's job, he still can't help himself and he has to push it a little bit further. Push just, like when he did the, just like when he did the flybys in the first movie. Exactly. He's just pushing it a little too far and getting in trouble for it. So he mm-hmm. goes to what, 10.2 or something, and then the thing just crashes. Yeah, I think he gets to 10.3, and then that's immediately when he just goes, and he has to <laughs> eject. Yeah, 10 didn't do it, but 10.3 was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was also a gorgeous scene. Like, there's just so many amazing shots yeah. in this. It looks truly beautiful, but that shot of it blowing up in the sky and then it fades to black then it fades back to him just standing in that rural town walking into the diner Mm -hmm. having to get some food or having to get some water as everyone's staring at him Mm -hmm. and the joke here of him asking where am i and the kid responds earth i think is great but it was hard to understand that he was saying earth was it not it sounded like he said ah said ah i was like what I could tell because, A, I knew where the joke was going to go. Well, yeah, it was context clues which put it together for me. But I, like, if I were just hearing randomly, uh, I would be like, what? I would not compute that. You said Earth. Yeah, if this was a <laughs> podcast, if this was an audio-only <laughs> format, you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I was confused. But it was a good joke. I liked it. It was a very simple joke, but it still landed very, pretty well. I think there's, a like, lot of, just... there's a lot of those in here where you know exactly where they're going. Like the one where the hard deck, where he wants to lower the hard deck, and John hands like, you need to tell me when this is going to happen. He needs to have my express approval. And then he hands a folder down. He's like, what's this? It's the request to lower the hard deck, sir. Like you knew that was coming, but it still landed. Like, it was good. There's a lot of those jokes. And a lot of them, they're like dad jokes, which I think is perfect since this is like a quintessential dad movie, pleasing all the Gen yeah. Xers and baby boomer mm. papas out there. So... Yeah, but I, again, I enjoyed it. Same with the cheesy dialogue. I mean, all of it, it just worked. Yeah. You know what I enjoyed? What's that? That, that little uh, little John Hamm impression you just did. I think it was actually pretty good. 
<laughs> Thank you. I think you actually did a good job there. Pulled it out John of nowhere. Hamm, I thought I was talking to John Hamm for a second. <laughs> I thought you were talking to the air boss. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, talking about John Hamm and the air boss. That's just so cool. That name, air boss, like that title. Yeah, that's a pretty cool title. Um, but yeah, so he's in this to be the one that has to try and keep uh, Maverick in check. And again, it's a role that you know he's going to play. You know exactly how it's going to go. And eventually he's going to get one over and have to let Maverick do his thing. But he also does well in that role. And it's yeah. just fun to watch him play it out. Um, so I like that whole bit. I like the banter they have there of Mav throwing in these like cheeky, snarky little lines. And then we get to the part where he shows the pilots that are getting brought back. And one of them is Rooster. Uh. And, he's, and he's like, is there a problem? And Tom Cruise is like, you know there is. Which I love that, just saying that. Because yeah. that calls back to, did you ever see that one Tom Cruise interview where he has to like lay down the law to the interviewer who's asking about him and Nicole Kidman? Yeah, I think so. His ex-wife. He did something, and Tom Cruise did the same thing in that, where he's like, stop, you're crossing a line, and you know you are. If Tom Cruise ever had to put me in time out, I would be very afraid. A, when he wants to be stern, he's a bit scary. That Scientologist side of him coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, put you in the in the special room, at the <laughs> exactly. Scientology Center, and uh, just takes care of you right there. But yeah, uh, so I like that whole setup as well of the rooster thing. Um, so I thought that was a pretty efficient. I mean, it was a little like exposition heavy, but I I think it's necessary in order to get everyone caught up to speed. Of here's again the mission. We just introduced it. Here's the dynamic. Mav is not a teacher, doesn't want to be a teacher, but he has to. And uh-oh, one of his students is the son of the old partner he had that he still feels guilty for having him die, even though it wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. So I love that they were able to hit all those elements, make sure we're all on the same page with that. So good stuff. Yeah. After that scene was the bar scene. Killer scene. This is my favorite. This is this my is your favorite. One. Okay, it was this is... so well. Aside from the last thirty minutes, this is my favorite. Okay, so talk to me why? Because this one, I felt it was one of the weaker parts of it. Really, I like the idea of it, and I think like from a screenplay standpoint, it's definitely a necessary thing. But I thought the execution, and particularly the writing of it, was not as good as it could have been. But yeah. so talk about why you loved it. First of all. What we should bring up, the hard deck is a great name for a bar. It is. Top tier. Not only that, but the exterior and interior design for that bar, incredible. Very true. It's incredible set design. Like, it looks fantastic. Yes. Uh, It looks like an 80s bar, or like a bar you'd see in an 80s movie, which is great. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's a great way to introduce all of your main characters as they're gathering at this bar, and you could just spend 10 minutes or however long the scene is and just introduce all the characters. And you're also pushing the plot forward by bringing Rooster into the bar, having him not interact with Maverick just yet, but having Maverick see him and get those flashbacks to what happened. I think that's mm-hmm. all great. I think the banter between all the pilots as they're meeting each other is great. I think their interaction with Tom Cruise, not realizing that he's going to be their instructor is very funny, especially right. with Hangman. Like, I think which, that comes back later, which is good. Yeah, and I like that bit because it's a direct callback to the original when Tom Cruise goes in the bar and he flirts with... Uh, was it Carrie McGinnis is her name? Kelly McGinnis? Kelly McGinnis, I think. Kelly McGinnis. Yeah, with her character. And then, of course, surprise, surprise, she's the instructor on the next day. So that was great. And it's a full surprise for the audience at that point. 
this one, of course, we know what's coming every time that they do something to Tom Cruise. We know yeah. and that's going to come back and bite you. Um, it's Carly McGillis. Really? No, I'm kidding. It's Kelly. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> I just like Frank Gillo. Um, yeah, I love all that stuff. Uh, I like the banter they have. I like the banter he has with uh, Penny. Was her name? Yes. I just know it's Jennifer Connelly. The, the dialogue he has with her is very good. I felt like their chemistry was really, really good in this movie. And I think that that scene was a very strong way to start it off. The weak part that I think happens in this scene is that they introduce all the pilots at once and only half of them are important. And the other half don't even have a line. That was also, it was very obvious when we got these six pilots and they have banter and then the rest of them come in and we hardly, they and don't they say just, a word. They just <laughs> list off four of them and then they never say anything. And then they don't say anything for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it was very obvious who our final selections were going to be. Which yeah. if they were going to do that, well, I guess they needed that uh, conceit in order to be, oh, was it going to be Rooster or Hangman? But there's no, no one was under any impression that anyone other than like Phoenix and Fanboy and pay, back. Payback? Payback. Yes, not payback, payday. not Payday. Not Payday. Uh, still a good call sign though. Like we knew those people were going to be it. And it was kind of absurd to have the other six introduced and were just obviously not going to be important at all. I just wish but, they all had lines, even if like the lesser ones had like throwaway lines. Like I feel like even in the original, the few that we didn't even see much still had like throwaway lines at different parts or like yeah, were agree, involved yeah. in some way. Yeah, I agree that they should have had some sort of lines somewhere in there. And they also had who's that one actor that was in the good place? Uh, Manny Jacinto. Yeah, he's in this and he just doesn't say a thing. He's never. He says, I was waiting for him to say something. He says nothing. He's like relatively famous. Like he's in The Good Place and he's in uh, the new Charlie Day rom com and he's in like a bunch of stuff. I know, which is why it's wild that he just. And he just doesn't say a single word. Like he's just in a couple of shots. I bet he had more of a character and they just had to cut it down. Maybe. It feels more like what it was. Because I feel like. I mean, it's such a pretty big actor to cast in such a small role right that's like an extra like a featured extra kind of almost mm -hmm. like just not even saying anything just being there come on right i mean it was recorded or filmed a few years ago but that's even true. then i think that was when the good place still was in the happening. good place yeah like it was when it was like going it was a big on, thing so. yeah strange um but yeah for me i think like the banter with penny initially again i didn't take to it um, just because they had to do the work of establishing what their history is. And so they have to say the thing of, oh, you got told off by this admiral and you had to go somewhere else and told off by this admiral, but you still ended up doing the next thing. So she was like trying to also reassure him that like, oh, you always make out of it, make out of the situations that go badly for you. You end up staying in the Navy and it all ends out fine. But then they also have to establish that they've been like on and off for a couple of few years and I yeah. felt I don't know I got that part of it of like okay we're getting told their relationship but I didn't at that point get the spark of them actually having a history a history together um, but we'll talk about it more later on I did really liken uh to the overall romance that they had but yeah that initial part didn't fully land and then the introducing the pilots again I agree it's a great way to introduce them all and i think they had a couple good lines like the thing with bob saying that he's a stealth fighter yeah and he's like i'm actually uh like a radio air transmission person he's like with no sense of humor i thought that part was great i thought the darts bit was good then he high fives them after he was trying to cover his eyes i thought those parts were good 
But the rest of the banter, again, it felt like we need to get these people up to speed and we can do it through banter. But it felt kind of stilted and not very natural. I mean, it felt 80s. I guess, but I feel like it could have been a little bit better. I also did just recently watch like a few clips of the West Wing and like the best group moments from that. And so my bar for banter is elevated heavily right now. You can't you can't watch Top Gun Maverick and be like, well, the dialogue wasn't on par with the West Wing, so I'm going to judge it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I the bar was up there. And so Uh, even though it shouldn't be compared at all, and it's not like I'm trying to compare them, I was just let down a bit because it could have i feel like even in if you're judging on an 80s standard i feel like it could have been executed better again there were some parts of it i enjoyed but most of it i was like eh, i don't know i feel like writing wise it was a very good setup like it sets everything up essentially well i agree from the, the the dynamics it sets up all the relationships it sets up all the uh character arcs like it's the start of a lot of characters arcs and i think I think it does a very good job of doing that. I think it also like gets us to like the characters we're supposed to like, and like it, like it gets us to have the feelings we're supposed to have about each character and like where they are at this point. And I feel right. like it, it just I don't know. I really liked it. it. It was just fun. Like it was fun watching them all interact, cutting back between the pilots and the Tom Cruise, watching Tom Cruise to pay for everybody's drinks, watching Tom Cruise outside when he's getting the flashbacks to Great Balls of Fire. I just thought overall it just worked really well for me. Right. Again, I think the function of that scene is great. What it's trying to do is great. I think the execution was not as great as it could have been. Like some of those lines of Rooster saying to Hangman, though, if you're the team leader, you're going to get somebody killed. And then Hangman saying the same sort of thing of, oh, they're going to run out of fuel. And then the one who's like, oh, like, I don't know if that was a jab that was, oh, worthy. I don't know if it was like that intense of a jab, like their back and forth wasn't as i don't know compelling or like not vicious but competitive enough like truly at each other's throats enough uh to give that sense of other these really competitive top tier pilots that are about to go head to head for the rest of this film so i don't know that part again fell slightly flat but i agree that overall what they tried to do was great and i think you do get the communication of their dynamics well enough the Great Balls of Fire scene and the flashback scene, that part of it I did really like. Yeah, I thought great. that was handled really well. Because you see that when we get the flashbacks to that and we see how important this idea is of this is a kid that I just can't let anything bad happen to. And yet he's seeing him and he's like a mirror image of Goose. Like Miles Teller in this film looks so much like yeah. Anthony Edwards did in that it's original one. It's uncanny. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Of course, they did give him that stash to really like solidify it. Of course, but point. I mean, it works. It all works. It does work. I mean, uh, he's very attractive in this film. Miles Teller? Yes. <laughs> Even with the stash? Oh, the stash makes Your him Your pro Teller stash? Oh, yeah. He looked fantastic. I mean, they all did, but he particularly looked fantastic. I mean, he was ripped. I didn't it's expect him to be that ripped. He's been he's ripped like, for a while. Like, I don't think he get, if, well, I guess not just true. for this film. He's been ripped for quite a bit. I guess, yeah, I suppose you're correct. But overall, I like the bar scene. I feel like pacing-wise, it flows really well from part to part, from character to character. I feel like it works. I just I don't like how they the, the way they introduce the lesser pilots and their right. lack of a role in the film. But if you're going to yeah. cut something, I guess that's what you're going to cut. True. Okay, so talking about Penny and them overall, 
again, it did on those in those later scenes, it did end up working because Tom Cruise in the film, he's just so smiley towards Penny. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, it's Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. And she's great. There's this great. It was like, I think, a tweet originally that I heard. So, you know, the original Top Gun, the 1986 one, how that was talked about as like propaganda in a way, because number one, it makes it seem so cool to be like in the Navy yeah, and yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then it also it was a huge spike in recruitment after yeah, that, like the sure. biggest they've ever seen. Mm hmm. And so there's all the talk about, oh, it's being propaganda, propaganda. Somebody said, yeah, Top Gun is, the new Top Gun is propaganda. I'm taking a propaganda at Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is the most funny thing I've ever heard. The That's play really good. <laughs> a propaganda. <laughs> taking a propaganda at Jennifer Like Connelly. two times earlier today, I thought of that and just started burst out <laughs> laughing. It's so good. Well, that is funny. I never would have thought of that. That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> but good. very true Jennifer Connelly in this movie also incredibly hot so that's yeah. another thing <laughs> everyone in this film is just crazy hot apparently that's a requirement of being a pilot or being really near Need Top Gun yeah you have to be an incredible pilot but also extremely attractive yeah I mean of course there you, you go you can't fly planes <laughs> if you're ugly I mean have you seen an it ugly pilot work, Ryan it just doesn't work it's essential to the job Ugly people have don't have it. the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Bob. Yeah, I guess we just went in the know. beach scene when he didn't. He was the only one who didn't have his shirt off. It was because they had to keep him in the like more insecure character. I bet you he's ripped too. That'd be you, so funny. <laughs> I bet you he is muscular in real life. Because there was a thing in uh, you ever seen uh, what's it called? Cabin in the Woods. I've not seen it. Huh? So Cabin in the Woods is like a movie where they're making fun of horror tropes. And it's just five people, five like teenagers. They go to a cabin and one of them is Chris Hemsworth and he's like the jock. <laughs> and then the other one's like the sensitive guy who's also really ripped. And then the third guy is like a stoner dude and they go to a lake and they all go swimming. But the stoner dude still has his shirt on. And there's like trivia where they didn't want him to take off his shirt because he was more buff than Chris Hemsworth and the <laughs> other guy. Because this was like 2011 Chris Hemsworth. Right. Yeah. Which I think is just hilarious. That is hilarious. That's a great movie too. You should watch it. Like, like, it's like as a horror movie. I feel like it's one of the ones you would like more because it's okay. like not it like it simultaneously makes fun of horror movies while also being a horror movie. Kind of like Scream, but it does a better job. Okay, is it too scary? It's not that scary. Okay, maybe I'll see it at one point. I mean, that is definitely one that is uh, thought of very highly. So yeah, maybe I shall. You should also yeah. watch Evil Dead, which Cabin in the Woods is heavily inspired by. Evil Dead is so good. Have you started Stranger Things Season 4? No. Well, it's very Evil Dead inspired, which is fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, for our Raimi show, maybe I'll hit up Evil Dead. I mean, you'd have to. We've already talked about Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Exactly. Last. That's all there is that we gotta do. Evil Dead and the second one. But and the switching one. back to Top Gun, there's a third one? Yeah, Army of Darkness. Oh my god. Switching back to Top Gun, we have, <laughs> so yeah, I loved the sailing scene. I thought that was yeah. really cool. It, again, it was something that's like not necessarily needed. It is for their relationship, mm -hmm. but I loved getting to see that play out and the whole line about, I'm not, I'm in the Navy, but I don't sail boats. I land on them. Yeah. Good line. It's good line. There are, there are a lot of good one-liners in here. There sure are. So yeah, I love that whole bit. 
Um, and then later on, when they she goes into the house and leaves the door open. Yeah, that was great. There's a vocal reaction in my theater from Me that. Too, yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, I like that. And then I also, I was waiting. I was trying to see where we're going to get some major face eating in this one as well. Some crazy Thank tongue God action. They didn't, they Thank didn't do God it. God they didn't. It was more it went, like romantic, which was nice. I know, it was a more wholesome route where they like go in for the kiss, but then they immediately cut to after that where they're in the bed just talking. Yeah. Um, which again, I think they they should less, have done a lot less sexual, which works. Yeah. They should have done the they're so old. True. They're a lot older. But they should have done the take my breath away thing. Oh, but Here, no, that's this would have been a good place no, to because because that's Maverick and what's Kelly McGillis's character's name? That's their song. That'd be awkward. I guess, but no, they need their they own. Didn't even, they Maverick didn't have their own, their own song. I mean, I, they did at the very end, though. But yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't repeat the song from the first one just because it's a romance with Maverick. Like, keep them separate, bro. That was a very classic song as well with Danger Zone. Yeah, what? but like, it's not about. I would like to hurt it, but it's Danger not a Zone. Breaker. Danger Zone isn't like his relationship to planes, and then he starts <laughs> flying new planes. <laughs> Right. He's literally dating another woman and you want them to play the same songs before. Yeah. What a pig, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it could be top it could be Tom Cruise's it could be Maverick's song. With women? That he shares with women, yeah. <laughs> Anytime he has sex with a woman, he puts that song on. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Listen, thirty years ago, I realized this song is the one. It puts you in the mood. Honey, not again. I have to play <laughs> yeah. it. I can't get hard without it. Oh God, this took a turn. Uh, so yeah, that one was good. And then I like how in this one, more than I think in the original Top Gun, they try to use the romance as a way to actually motivate some of the character choices that Maverick does. Yeah. So she's talking about her own kid and how she has to not try and be so protective, let her have some of her own freedom. Of course, that plays into Tom Cruise to Maverick. <laughs> I love use them interchangeably. Uh, mm-hmm. The character Maverick, how he was trying to be protective over Rooster by pulling his uh, naval papers so that he wasn't able to get in. Uh, yeah. So it set him back a couple years. And we find out that that was actually a request of his mother, Meg Ryan's character, but ultimately the blame has fallen to Maverick because he doesn't want Rooster to resent uh, the mother as well as resen- uh, resenting him. So I, I like wish, that. I wish they hadn't killed off Meg Ryan. I wish she had come back. I know, a little unceremonious to be in one line, just dead. We don't know why, what happened, but yeah, I, I think... Mean, like, it's okay, but, like, Meg Ryan became super famous after that movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as, like, uh, what's his name in Obi-Wan? Uh, fuck. What you talking about, Mike? Uncle Owen. Jason, no. What the fuck is his name? <laughs> I don't know. This isn't helping my case. Joel Edgerton, how he was Uncle Owen in episode three, and then he became super famous and he came back for Obi-Wan. Right. Like, I think that's cool. I wish yeah. they had brought back Meg Ryan. <laughs> that's like, that's like the, the case. Like, maybe Meg Ryan didn't want to do it and they tried to bring her back in, which would be okay. But I wish maybe. she had been asked. Like, I hope she was asked. Right. Yeah, She's I think famous. it would have been cool. I know. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying it would have been cool. But I'm also saying um, if they felt... Like, they didn't want to have to bring every single character back. Like, maybe that was another conscious choice. He was like, I want only to bring back 
Maverick and Iceman. And so that'll mean Iceman's return is that much more significant. We do at least see Meg Ryan's flashbacks. <laughs> so yeah. she's in the film. That's I don't true. think we get any of Kelly McGinnis. Maybe slightly in no, the she's in those background of a flashback. Too, yeah. But yeah. I do like that they limit the amount of people that came back because like I, I really wanted Meg Ryan, but overall when it comes to these reboots, when they're just filled with people coming back from the original, it just sort of takes away a little bit and takes you out of it. Right. Like as, as fun as it is to watch it, I'm enjoying the fact that it's Maverick's film and he is doing his own thing with a bunch of new characters. And then Iceman makes one cameo and that's it. Right. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, to finish off the Penny stuff in that particular scene when he goes out the window. Um, and I thought that was an also cute thing if he's like this is the last time i'm going out the window like i'm not going to leave you anymore we're seeing that shift of maybe he wants to enter a new stage in his life yeah. instead of doing this continual like on off thing and always going yeah. supersonic speed um, and then he goes out the window and then of course the daughter is right there at the window yeah. that also got a big reaction a big laugh me too and then when she said the line of just don't break your heart again that got big oh i thought it was the audience easy just because they're, I they're as well, but I thought that they're landing that line well. right after a punchline of him like getting caught, mm -hmm. and it was like awkwardly placed. I disagree, and I think the crowd that I was with at least agreed. It was able to be a nice switch from like "haha, that was pretty funny" to "oh, that was a bit more of a like sentimental note of she doesn't care that oh that was a thing happening. Like she didn't find that funny or wasn't mad at it or anything like that. She just hopes." Mm -hmm that he doesn't break her heart anymore. He wants yeah, the guess, best for her, or she wants the best for her mother. I guess for me, it's a little Sweet. nitpicky, but I just feel like there wasn't enough of a beat between the punchline and, like, the emotional line that follows it. Like, I feel like it should have been, like, there should have been some kind of filler mm -hmm. to fill in more of a beat to, like, clearly, because, like, people were still laughing at the punchline while she was saying her oh, line, and I was like, I was like, oh you didn't pause enough and it's like people are laughing, but they should be paying attention. But also it's not like a, it's kind of a cheesy line anyway. So I understand sure. why they'd be laughing at that too, I suppose, but it just didn't land as much as it should have been. And also her character at that point hadn't been in the film a lot. And I understand the reason to say that line and how that motivates the story and how her character is driven by the fact that she doesn't want her mother's heartbroken again. But like, I don't know. It just still felt very cheesy. Gotcha. Interesting. Just to follow like the punchline that heavily. Like like that quickly, I suppose. Just didn't work for me. Gotcha. Not terrible, but not great. All right, moving on into what I think we can agree is absolutely great. All the mission training stuff. It was incredible. Yeah, it was fantastic. And again, I love the way that they were able to make it very accessible to the audience to understand what's happening by giving us these different stages of the mission. And then we see on like the computer, the layout of the terrain and here's where each plane is as they're going through it, as we're cutting between that and the people actually in the plane. So at every point we know what exactly is happening. So again, they completely solved that issue that was bogging down some of the aerial sequences in the original Top Gun. And of course, the practical effects. You just Fantastic. can't beat this stuff. It made it so exhilarating so thrilling to actually know that these actors are in those planes as they're zooming around a few hundred feet off the ground is just so good it's it just looks so good the whole movie looked fantastic 
I loved all the shots of like the jet engines like starting up and like the feeling of that whole thing. Well, I was watching in Dolby, but still like that <laughs> feeling of the engine just igniting and just being so powerful. I mean, it's just like this is the movie. Like you think Top Gun was the movie for fighter pilots? Top Gun Maverick is the movie for fighter pilots. Like it makes it look so cool, but it also like it really hammers down the point of how dangerous it is. Mm. Even though like people die in Top Gun, but people don't really die in Top Gun Maverick, they still hammer the the point home a little harder in Top Gun Maverick. You know, for sure, because yeah, it feels a lot more real and palpable the danger that they're in as they're flying by yeah so yeah so there were awesome i know so good so there are three different like training aerial sequences the first Mm. uh happened right after he showed up and threw the rule book away or the like training manual for the seems classic that's what i'm saying that's some 80s cheese to the backs right there but it works the literal rule book (laughs) yeah it was great so well for sure. So then he has all of them. He's like, I'm going to test all your limits. So they all go up and they're doing the combat dogfighting training. Um, and so it's a great way to throw in that like competitive angle of everyone mm-hmm. has to do push-ups if they get shot down. Yeah. It's also showing Mav's skill, how he is still able to take down these people that, again, are like some of the best graduates in recent years from Top Gun. Yeah. And it establishes hangman's selfishness which again came through in the bar scene but i like more it actually playing out in In the the action of hangman's selfishness him leaving his wingman um and then rooster's cautiousness which happened after they like did a nosedive through the hard deck Um, but then after that he was too afraid to take the shot because they were so low so that did show i think overall his cautiousness um even though he was pretty careless in the nosedive down yeah um so that i thought was great and then the canyon course afterwards, again, did a great job of establishing this is a very difficult mission. It's going to be hard to do. Maverick is trying his best to get them to that level that they need to be at to where they won't yeah. die, but will successfully complete the mission. The film is constantly setting the stakes and then raising them each time it needs to. And it's like at no point is it making it any easier. It's it's constantly challenging and challenging and challenging. And it's it's it's. Doing something like most movies these days aren't really good at setting those stakes and and hitting them really well. And this and another Tom Cruise franchise, Mission Impossible, do it really, really well. They really set those stakes and really follow through on it. And I think that's great. Agreed 100% because it reels you in that much more because you know what there is to lose and how difficult it is the things that they're trying to do are. So I love that part. And they again establish hangman he's speedy very fast he's an excellent pilot but he's not a good teammate uh and so he ends up having the other people killed exactly which yeah i love that they he's playing the role of iceman of like being that antagonist being the best there is being the cocky one Mm -hmm. but then he's much more of a dick than iceman ever was true he's just a genuine jerk in this one whereas iceman never really was like he he was kind of right in the original film of Eric, you're dangerous. You need to cool off, chill, while still having that cocky persona of like I'm the best and I'm better than you. Yep. Um, so yeah, I love that Hangman. They they ramped it up even more, his antagonism. Um, but then we get to the moment where Rooster, while being cautious, so he's like four minutes, four and a half minutes, which is way over the time that they needed to be, 
he was the only one who made it to the target, but he's still getting chewed out by Maverick. And he delivers a line that'll become a recurring motif of him saying it's not the plane, it's the pilot. And Maverick goes, exactly. That was good. I felt yeah. that one. That was like a gut punch for sure to Rooster. Of he didn't believe in him as a pilot. Ooh. Yeah, that one hurt. That one hit hard. It sure did. And then I loved the with Hangman doing his jerk stuff of like demeaning Rooster afterwards and then bringing up the whole bit about his old man being the old uh, wingman or old partner of Maverick. Mm-hmm. And then they get into that shouting match. That stuff was also great. I thought it was executed yeah. quite well. Yeah. For sure. The interactions mm-hmm. between the pilots in this movie are a lot more fresh and fully fleshed out than in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Much more enjoyable to, to watch. In the first one, it's very much just like uh, trying to one-up each other and just getting in each other's faces and just like, it's like a big dick contest in the first one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in this one, it just definitely feels more personal, which definitely makes it more intense. Even though it's still kind of a big dick contest. Right. Agreed. But yeah, Glenn Powell as Hangman. He's so good. His He's smirk. good in everything, dude. I love Crazy. him. He's yeah. so funny. He was in uh, Scream Queens. He's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's so awesome. good in that. So the other thing I've seen him in. I wanted to watch uh, Everybody Wants Some, but I never did. He's very funny. He's a very funny guy. For sure. Hopefully he's going to get a lot of good roles after this. Because he was yeah, I hope so. really, really good in this. Uh, and then the third of the training missions that they did was doing the one where they have to fire at the target mm-hmm. and then do the steep climb out of there and again establishing the stakes really well as tom cruise goes through the mission parameters we need two consecutive miracles so again great way that they established that and then when they were actually executing it when they were doing the training you have back-to-back issues major issues coming up with coyote blacking out as he's going up, and the Maverick has to go in and try and save him. Has to get tone on him to wake him up. And that was a near miss. And now we're like, okay. Yeah. Thankfully, no one died. Because again, we know at this point like how meaningful it is that Maverick doesn't want anyone to die because he'll feel so guilty for it. Oh, yeah. And then this yeah, is also the point. Him. I know. And this is also the point in the film where Goose died last time in the original film. So now we're like, oh, is one of these trainees going to die? Similar to Goose. But thankfully, he didn't die. But then Psych, out of nowhere, a flock of birds come in. And I love that right before this training scene, he had a brief shot of seagulls or whatever they are lifting off at the sound. And they put in the sound of like the jet engines roaring as that happens. And I was like, this is a cool shot. It's a cool shot he threw in there. But it was actually set up for the birds coming in yeah. that are flying around, which I think what is hilarious. What's the thing that Tom Cruise shouts? Bird something? Bird storm or bird strike? Bird strike. Yeah, I think it was bird yeah. strike. Bird strike, bird strike, bird strike. Dude, <laughs> that's scary. That whole sequence was terrifying. Like, I thought it was like scary with uh, Coyote blacking out. Dude, when the birds hit that engine, it just blows up. Oh, and he's screaming bird strike, bird strike, bird strike. Like, it's it's scary. Like, like I'm on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. It's intense. Because, I mean, we've seen the original Top Gun. We know a character dies. We've seen, we're watching Top Gun Maverick. There's no sequel that we know of. There's no attachment to any of these characters as a writer. Any of them could die at any point. Exactly. Any of them. There would be, like, a good writer would not have any remorse over killing Coyote or killing Phoenix and Bob. Like, if it serves the story, they'll do it. And so you don't know where the story's going or where these arcs are going to go at this point. 
And so any character could die. And that's terrifying. Like first strike, first strike, first strike. And then the, 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 like the, the sound of it striking and the engine catching fire. And then them trying to, uh, put out that engine. And then the second engine starts going out and then they have to put out that engine cause they're both on fire. And now they have no engines and Tom Cruise is trying to scream orders at them because he doesn't want them to die. And he's like trying to get them to, to land. And then he's like, uh, what does he say? He says, eject, 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 eject. Mm-hmm. Like just like the, the, the combination of the sound of the, the engines failing with the birds striking them, the sound of the plane going down, the intense cutting between Tom Cruise and Phoenix and Bob, them fighting at each other with Tom Cruise in their ear, screaming commands at them to get them to, to live. Like, like being in that situation is tense to the max and like Agreed. watching yeah. it, watching it puts you there with them. A hundred percent. Absolutely great action filmmaking right there. It's a hundred percent invested in that. And then of course, thankfully like the bottom plane does crash. They're able to make it out. Okay. Yeah. So that's God. good. Um, and then shortly after that, like right after that scene, after uh, Maverick and Rooster have an argument, mm-hmm. and he's saying, oh, it's so easy for you to talk about, oh, wingmen will die at some point. Like it's going to happen because you have no family. You have no one to mourn you when you're dead. And then he chews him out back and says, you can't think of there if you think you're dead. You got to just do. That's the problem with yeah. you, all that stuff. Right after that, we hear that Iceman is dead. He's passed away. Yeah. But before that, earlier in the film, we got to see <laughs> going back a cameo of Val Kilmer coming back. And we get to see a conversation between them. And that's great. I love that they were able to still include Val Kilmer. And they incorporated the real life issue he's having with throat cancer that makes him unable to speak easily. He can speak, but it's obviously not his same voice. Um, and it's kind of a hassle to do so. Um, so they incorporated that, use, had him using the text feature for most of it so that they could build up to when he actually uses his voice. We know that that's like the very important thing. So again, just great scene level screenwriting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, how did you feel about seeing the man come back? I thought it was good to see him. Uh, when, I first, when they were first interacting over text, uh, I really hate it when, when movies have characters interact with text. I just think it's, cheesy and dumb and i just hate seeing characters text at all okay and sure. so i didn't like it in that moment but i had forgotten that val kilmer had throat cancer mm. so when we saw him again i was like okay it makes sense in this situation <laughs> like they can't just have a phone call like i get it right. it doesn't upset me anymore like it's fine but uh i thought val kilmer was really good it was good to see him i think he was like living up to the hype as of being like Iceman again like, I definitely think he played the role really well. I like the bit they have at the end where he asks him who's the better pilot. <laughs> and then Maverick is like, let's not fight. Yeah. It's like, this is a nice moment. Let's not ruin this. Yeah. That's I thought very that good. was very nice. I, I mean, it was just nice to see him interact. And I'm glad that Iceman served a purpose in the plot other than just being a cameo. Because, mm-hmm. like yeah. He gives Maverick more motivation for the, the rest of the movie. His death is important to Maverick. Although it's kind of odd that they kill off Iceman's character with Val Kilmer's actual disease. Like, it is kind of like Spencer brought this up and I hadn't thought about it, but it is kind of odd I, to write I mean, that yeah, in. I guess I'm sure Val was a part of the decision making in that. I'm sure, sure he would have yeah. been. I don't think they would have written that in without him having some approval. Like they probably had in that he would have died, 
Mm. Uh, but then I think, yeah, when they knew they wanted to make another one, Tom Cruise or whoever probably reached out and was like, how do we want to fit you in? And they probably agreed on it because Val Kilmer is a great actor. And I think he knows that like this would pack a punch that is necessary to up the emotional stakes in this. Yeah. So he'd be willing to go for that, even if it <laughs> is a little much. Yeah. It but also honestly, seems a good conclusion to his character for a character that was only in the movie for one scene. Like it does. Right. It gives him his own little like arc from the first movie all the way to his final scene and his death in this movie. Like it gives him the through line he needs to finish out the character without having any uh, leftover pieces in the air. Like, he, like he, everybody gets a conclusion in this movie. Like right. He did certainly as well. Yeah, agreed. And even though he's only physically in one scene, he definitely looms large over the film. Since yeah, we know from early on, he's the reason that uh, Maverick is able to remain in the Navy because he always has Admiral Kazansky looking out for him. And then mm -hmm. he's also the one that tells Maverick to go to Top Gun in order to train these pilots because Iceman knows that Maverick is the only one who is able to get this mission completed without having any deaths. Mm -hmm. And so I love that Iceman is believing in that side of Maverick again originally that side of him that in the first film he's like you're too dangerous but in this film he knows like that same sense of daring that Maverick has and never lost is critical to them being able to push the boundaries in training so that they'll be able to survive when it comes to the actual mission mm -hmm. so I love that that's what Iceman communicates to Maverick in their conversation and I love all the self-doubt that we got to see from Maverick as well and yeah. in this scene, when because it's not like a conversation, it's just like a monologue for most of it, Tom Cruise just goes off. He reminded us that he's not just a stuntman for doing all these Mission Impossible stuff. He's a good actor, man. Yeah. His monologue there when he was tearing up, I was like, dang, Tom Cruise, look at you go. So I love that, and I love the way it ends off on Iceman being like, you just got to trust in yourself, trust in being Maverick. Like That's why you're here, because you are Maverick. So go do that. And then he does by flying the course himself after he gets kicked off by John Hamm right after the death, which is hardcore for sure. Yeah. But he's like, you're no longer in charge. You're no longer going to be teaching them because you have only shown them that it can't be done. So now I'm taking over. And then what does Maverick do after another uh, pep talk from Jennifer Connelly? He goes and runs the course himself. Not in well, well, two minutes and 30 seconds, me, in two minutes, 15. He did it in short. Is as cool as that is. I also like that they give John Hamm the like douchey air boss, his own little arc. And like the next step in this arc is in this scene, he is changing the parameters of their mission before Mav starts doing it on his own to be able to be completed, but in a way that will most likely get them killed. Mm -hmm. Like he's changing, he's lowering the amount of time it would take to fly in and he's raising the hard deck to a point where the missiles will shoot them down. Like he's changing the parameters and they know that it will get them killed, but he's doing it for the mission, knowing that they signed up for this. So like he's doing his job as an admiral, but he's willing to risk the lives when Maverick is not. And then mm -hmm. Maverick comes in and he flies that mission and shows that it can be done safely his way and deaths can be avoided. And so like, if that is possible, it's what they should do. And like John Hamm understands that and like his next, his only next logical move is to just let Mav lead the mission. Exactly. It's the only so thing you can do. Point him as the team leader. And that's beautiful. That was a great scene after that. This scene was so good when he's running the course himself. 
Yeah. And we see in the room, all the pilots are there and they're all like, no, he can't do this. That's impossible. He can't do it. And then as he gets closer and closer, we see all of them slowly. They start like standing up. Everyone's watching the screen and all as it's happening. The other Admiral, Admiral Bates, I believe it was, um, the like right hand man to the air boss. He is like secretly like rooting for Maverick to do it as John Hamm is just sitting there like amazed that someone just stole the aircraft and is doing that. Mm. It was just so good. Like that was a perfectly executed scene. So good. Yeah. It's just awesome. Just the whole thing is just to make Tom Cruise look as awesome as possible. And he does it. Well, even, even then, like this is the film where he is at least accepting that he's older and whatnot. Cause when you see him running the course, he's doing a lot of that heavy breathing. Yeah. That you have to do when you are hitting sustained G's like that. But when Glenn Powell hangman was going through, he wasn't doing that to the same level. So it's at least showing that like, yeah, he's doing this, but it's strenuous. He's not doing this with ease. He's, he's pushing into his limits. Exactly. So I love that they go that route as well. Yeah. People have also commented that there's like a sports movie element to this or like watching something like that, like that run Definitely. through the course yeah. was like watching the Kentucky Derby. Very yeah. true. Like the best version of the Kentucky Derby you can get. If but, you consider right. that being true, then this makes this the best sports movie ever. Like, you know, I, I think don't that, like sports that, movies. That's and, true. This is probably your favorite sports movie. That's because there's never any stakes. Either they win or they lose, and it's going to be one of them. Like, I get it. But this yeah, one, there is so many different levels of stakes. They could not complete the mission. They could die. Maverick could die. Rooster could die. Anyone <laughs> could die. The, the the mission could be a failure. They 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 could do so many different things could happen. I think those are variations of the same outcomes, but I, I agree. Suppose. But, but again, I with the sports, like sports movies, just either win or lose, you know. And you can one of these days we're gonna have to have an episode on sports movies just to see if we can find one that you like. But just you to gotta show me all the best ones, because just to throw something it. out there, I'd like to point out sometimes, like yes, it's either they win or they lose. But if you're able to frame the the arc around not like just winning or losing but how they do so and what way they do so then i think you can have a really effective sports movie because it's not about just will they win or not it's about how are they able to do that were they able to live up to what they were doing which is what rocky does he loses yeah, in I that don't even films, like rocky but he went all the way I, I know you don't like that but again it was saying like he won because he went the distance i know but he still lost the fight but i like that that way so it's a it's not just like, oh, win or lose. We're rooting for him to win. We want that, but at least we want him to go the distance. I know. And he's able to. Oh. So I find films that do that, at least, can be particularly interesting. But I don't even like those movies. Like, I don't like Raging Bull that much. I don't like Rocky. I That's don't crazy. Like I also think it's baby. funny that <laughs> I've been asking you to read my script, which is low-key a sports script <laughs> since it's wrestling. It's kind of high-key. Sports, sports entertainment. Sports <laughs> It's kind so, of very much a sports script. So you just so you don't like that either. Maybe that'll be the one that will convince you. You haven't Maybe. gotten to the end of it, so that's true. Did you get my notes? I did. You're Have drunk. You well, they were sent drunkenly. You didn't they make them drunkenly, drunkenly, but I wrote them sober. Yeah. Well, sober me kept forgetting to send it, and drunken me remembered and wasn't <laughs> gonna let sober me forget again. How about that? But drunken yeah. me is a better friend. <laughs> Switching back to Top Gun Maverick. We will talk about the amazing, phenomenal, flawless third act. Oh, the greatest we have ever seen. Especially out of an action movie. Footage, like, like 
30 minutes of just flawless filmmaking, start to finish, just incredible. That whole final mission is just nonstop raising the stakes, making it just as intense as possible, like filmed incredibly well, like looks fantastic, edge of your seat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. They they like they set the stakes high by giving a bunch of goodbyes to Tom Cruise because you think because then you think Maverick's gonna die, and so you're going into it with like, okay, Maverick's gonna die, which sucks, but we're gonna watch him die, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that'll be his send off in the same way that Iceman died, and so you're watching it and you're watching it and you're watching it. The stakes are there; they're flying in between all these mountains. You have that little arc with Rooster where he's slowing down because he does he's not confident enough. He's thinking too much. And then he has the line of talk to me, dad, in the same way that uh, Mavericks has talked to me, Goose. And then he finally gets the courage to just do instead of think. And he just guns it and goes for it and goes way too fast. But he's still like a good pilot. So he's making good time. Right. But that and- is beautiful. That bit of when he says, talk to me, dad. And then it's Maverick that comes through and says, don't think, just do trust in yourself. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Like that father figure that he's had, but is always rebutted, mm-hmm. is the one coming through and giving him that advice. Incredible. So amazing, great setup. And great then he payoff. pushes through it, and it's awesome. They they get their first miracle done right away. They knock it off the list. That's one of the things that I thought about. Is like I know it's like two minutes for the mission, but it just definitely felt very quick. Which is why I'm glad they added so much to the back end of that mission. Like, the mission is completed, but the majority of that third act is doing other stuff, which I like, because you're raising the stakes more. Mm-hmm. So they're they're getting it done. It doesn't seem as impossible as they made it out earlier in the movie. They did it pretty easily. Like, like there was definitely challenges, but they hit them. They made it. That's true. Well, they were showing, for whatever reason, the radar thing apparently isn't as uh, dependable as it should be or whatever. Because they missed it every time in the training, but then in this one, they were able to nail it with Tom Cruise's, but then the radar, the like laser radar thing didn't work on the second go around, which is why Rooster had to do it blind without any of the aided seeking help from the laser thing. Yeah. So he just flew, he threw the missiles in there. Very Star They went Wars-y. in perfectly. I mean, yeah, that he used the force <laughs> to get them in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he nailed it. They do that, and then they do the climb out, and then immediately that's when the Sams start firing at them. Mm-hmm. That's when the planes that we saw come up earlier, which is why they had to even cut down on the time. Like as you're talking about, they have to keep escalating the stakes and the tension, and out of nowhere we have to cut down the time because these new planes just showed up that weren't supposed to be there. Now they arrive, and now it's a dogfight. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is great. And they're sending off the flares in order to stop the missiles. Again, gorgeous shots back to back. Just amazing. I love that the move that Maverick does to save Rooster and sacrifice himself is the Maverick move where he hits the brakes and goes completely vertical while simultaneously launching his own, uh, what is it called? The flares Mm -hmm. to block the missile that's coming in. And then one of them still hits him. Like he does the Maverick move, which is classic. Well, the Cobra maneuver is what it's called, but yeah. Yeah, but it's like the Maverick move. Like it's what he That's did. That's true. It was definitely famous. his thing, which we saw earlier in the film that he used in order to kill Rooster during the training bit. Yeah. Um, so I love that they called back to that. He pulls back, releases the flares in order to save Rooster, and then gets got by a missile. Mm-hmm. And at this point, again, this is when a different movie would have just ended it there. So Maverick did the sacrifice. He was able to save Rooster's or save Goose's son. 
and that'd be a good ending. It'd be a good film to have that pay off that way. Mm. But this film said, no, we're going to, we're going to do something different. We're going to throw in a little mission impossible into this film. Dun, we're going to get Maverick dun, impossible. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So he gets shot down. Rooster wants to go back, but John Hamm is like, no, we got to get everyone out of there. We're not risking any more lives. Which is a good conclusion to his arc, you know? He's like, he's willing to do it the Maverick way, and he learns <laughs> that, like, he's willing to, like, he doesn't want to sacrifice any lives for any reason. Like, well, that's true. He understands yeah. the impossibility of it, and he's like, I understand that we can get Maverick back, but that's risking more lives, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. It's a good call. He learns, he learns a little something from Maverick. Indeed. And uh-huh. then, and then in return, Rooster learns something too, and he becomes a little Maverick himself. And goes uh, against the mission protocol and goes and finds uh, Mr. Mr. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yep. He's getting stared down by a helicopter with dual machine guns pointed right at his face. Yeah. He's on the ground behind enemy lines, not in his plane. He's trying to run away in the snow. But right before he's going to get got, a missile strikes the heart of that helicopter. It goes oh, down. So and we cool. see Rooster fly by. Mm-hmm. fantastic stuff there yeah and then he gets got <laughs> yeah by the superior planes <laughs> yeah almost immediately but like that's what was gonna happen you know he stayed in the area instead of retreating and he got got indeed and then we see tom cruise run after him and this was another great scene like going from two like back-to-back really tense kind of emotional scenes where you think maverick could have just died oh no he's alive but now he's about to get killed and then rooster comes through saves him yeah we're happy and then oh no rooster just got shot down now we go into this really fun scene of Tom Cruise running into Rooster. And, and he picks him up. Him. Yeah, tackle him. And he's like, what were you thinking? And he's like, you told me not to think. And they just stand there and then he raises his arms. <laughs> that was really good. That got the biggest laughs. Tom Cruise is a whole very good actor. He is. He was he good. Is. And Miles Teller did a great delivery on the back end there of yeah. you told me not to think and then raising the hands. That was perfectly timed. That was a great beat. Uh, and then, then they're like, what are we going to, what are we going to do? And they go and steal an F-14, the original plane Classic. from 1986, Top Gun, from the enemy hangar. That's just so such a, an amazing idea. Whoever, chef's kiss to whoever was coming up with the script and said, you know what we need? We just need them to go steal the plane from the original Top Gun. That's just so good. It's so fun. It's so amazing. And when they execute it, and then they're getting in, and Rusha's like, oh my god, this stuff is so old. And as they try and take off on the taxiway, the very yeah. short taxiway, and then it clips the landing gear as they take off, but they're able to get in the air. Yeah. That whole bit, I was just absolutely in love with it. I love the turn that they took. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was great I just stuff. think it's so good. I just think that whole bit was so good. Them stealing the F-14. Like... The next part, I think, is is my favorite part when he when Maverick really gets the full on dogfight. But it was very much fun watching them like casually walk into this war zone <laughs> and try and blend in as they steal the plane. It's just so good, and then, like the the concept of like the other planes show up, and he's like just act casual, and they're like in <laughs> in the enemy F fourteen, like just act casual, yeah. They're, Their like, hand signals, signals, he's like they, calms are down. Yeah. So I think I think that was good. And then he's trying to tell Rooster, okay, when I tell you, let's eject. And Rooster's like, no, we can we can take him down. We can do it. 
And he tells him the same advice of don't think, just do. And that's exactly what Maverick does and allows him to immediately turn and gun down the one plane. So cool. Which is so cool. And then he's able to, he gets targeted by the other missile, the other plane's missile. And then he flies that right by the first plane and blows that up with the other plane's missile. That was oh. so cool as well. That whole dogfight was just like the pinnacle of Top Gun cinema. Like, I feel like putting Maverick to that test of like, he has an, uh, an inferior plane and the enemy has like a far superior plane and there's two of them. Like it mm-hmm. really pushes it to the limits. And he's like, he like matches that energy and he's like up to the task and he just does it. And it's Cause you know why? Oh, Cause he's, he's the best. Well, cause it's not the plane. It's the pilot. Yeah. And so he's yeah. able to take down that one. Then he's able to take down the other when they go down closer to the train to confuse his targeting system. So yeah. he kills him. So he's got two kills. He becomes an ace pilot. Which is Five such a cool way to end that. I know. It's amazing. And then, then, again, escalating the stakes always. We think we're home free. Now we're just trying to be, make contact with the carrier. We're over the water. We're trying to get back. And then out of nowhere, we have another plane right on our nose flying towards us. Another jet. And they're out of ammo. They're out of flares. They can't even eject. They try to do the eject thing, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So they're screwed. So, and that was also a really sad scene as well, which again, a great use of music. Like we talked about, I think off air, the theme song is fantastic. But a lot of the score in this was really well done. Like I was feeling every emotion that they wanted me to feel. Yeah, it was Hans Um, Zimmer, wasn't it? It was. Genius. Amazing, as always. So his... So as they're like climbing up and we're accepting that he's going to lose and he says, I'm sorry, Goose, because he's about to get his son killed. That was so sad. Yeah. And then a plane or a missile comes through, hits that other jet, that enemy jet. And who else but Hangman, which is a great little arc that they had for him. A great arc for him because he was sitting by as the reserve. And at one point he wanted to, when Maverick got shot down, he was like, permission to go into the field to help get them out of there and they said no so he was grounded but here he is coming to save the day not so selfish anymore he was the hero so i love that part uh and then as they're celebrating as they're coming in we get the flyby on the control tower he buzzes the tower we had no coffee no coffee was spilled that day but still aggravated the people inside classic mav I love when he flies by the tower. Permission to do a flyby. Oh, so good. (laughs) Exactly. And then I love how they also tried to throw one more like crazy thing on it where the engine failed, the left engine failed. And then they just make a quick joke out of that. And then it didn't really impact anything, but they land successfully. Now we're in the celebration stage. Rooster and Hangman hug and they talk about the kill situation. He's now got two kills, but again, Mav is an ace. So he's still the best. And then we have Mav and Rooster. They hug. They celebrate with each other. Maverick is like, thank you for saving my life. And Rooster says, it's what my dad would have done. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God. And again, the acting on Tom Cruise in that, as you see the impact of that statement having on him, and he's finally able to let go of that weight. And he finally knows that Rooster was capable. He didn't get him killed. He turned out to be a, a great man like his father. And he brings him to a hug great pilot as well oh so good such a great 
celebratory ending, and then you see like John Hamm on the balcony as well, and they give the nods. So good, yeah. classic, amazing, happy Hollywood ending. It's what you love to see. Yeah, just through and through, just an amazing film. Like has you engaged the entire time. Isn't like it isn't slow at any point. It's paced incredibly well. The story makes you care about all the characters incredibly well. I mean, it just does so much of what the original wanted to do, but it just does it better. Agreed. Which is great. 100% agreed. And the very, very ending here, to cap it all off, we have Maverick flying off into the sunset, literally with Benny, uh, and showing that he is now moving into a new stage of his life. He's Love slowing it. down. He's flying a plane that's not a jet, but he's still taking flight. And he's settling down with Penny, someone who, by the way, was in the first movie. She's the daughter of the Admiral that they mention, which is oh, pretty really? funny. So That's yeah, this her? has been a long, long term, like on and off thing. And so now finally he ends up with her and we hear Lady Gaga's hold my hand come in to round us out. And that is the end of Top Gun Maverick. Awesome. Just a great film. Talking about it makes me want to go watch it again. That's what I'm saying. You should go see it again. I should. It's so good. Have, have you seen it more than once? I've seen it twice. Damn, bro. I want to go see it again. It's just so good. It's so good. It's very, very fun. It's top tier, thrilling, exhilarating blockbuster action. It's what you want. And it has a lot of heart to it as well. Yeah, it does. Really good performances, really good character work as well for something that you just wouldn't expect out of a film yeah. like this. Like just guys of, flying planes. Yeah, macho pilots flying around. You wouldn't expect something like this. But there were a lot of, bro, I saw some man tears in my screening. Yeah. I saw in my second screening in the row next to me, there were a lot of reactions and gasps. And literally, like, I saw them, like, clutching themselves as the final uh, third act fight was playing out. I mean, this film, it makes you feel. You absolutely feel the exhilarating action. You feel the emotions. It's great. So any other final thoughts you want to throw out? I just loved it. I just thought it was awesome in the way that the first Top Gun was only kind of awesome. Like it, it like takes that awesome energy that the first one has and just takes the technology we have of today and just uses that to amp it up to 100. And just on top of that awesome stuff, that the first one had, it also adds in just great writing, great character work, like you were saying, great pacing, just great everything. Like, Agreed. it's just a solid, solid film. And I'd just like to throw a shout out to Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. Who was the director surprised. of this. Did Tron Legacy, so another Legacy sequel. Did Oblivion. Tron's awesome. Did Only the Brave. Um, and in this one, again, I'm just really impressed with, number one, how beautifully made this all look, but those aerial action sequences. They're just so incredibly well done. Yeah. Like some of the best there is. And in particular, like two moments where that really shined is once they climb out of the of the mountain after they drop the missile payload onto the target. And then we see the SAMs and they're all firing and the jets are also showing up. The very quick cutting between each of the pilots and they're yelling and the beeping is going off from the tone being on them. And they're sending the flares out. And then it cuts to the huge wide shot. Yeah. them over the mountains and you see the smoke spiraling through the sky of them chasing mm -hmm. those jets like that was a great shot and a great build-up to that shot with yeah all that quick cross-cutting and then later when they had when maverick was down and then he gets the helicopter gets shot and then we see the rooster's plane 
fly over and then that gets shot down. When he comes around to see it, we follow him and the first thing we see is the crash, is the plume of smoke that's coming up and we're like, oh, he's not surviving that. Like, that's, that's a done deal. And then it continues panning over to where we see Rooster parachuting down and we're like, oh, okay, he's good. So I love the way even in shots like that, where he's able to set up, again, in just a single shot, that same intense flow of emotions of, oh God, oh God, oh God, what happened to, oh no, that's a massive crash. Is he, there's no way to, oh, thank God he's parachuting down. Like that stuff, those are just microcosms of the amazing work he did throughout the film, which made it such an enjoyable experience, an incredible theatrical experience. It absolutely is one that needed to be seen on the big screen and felt with the big sound waves that Dolby and IMAX and theaters offer some great stuff. And again, these with all the practical work that it does, very limited CGI use. This it's funny how in the film they make a big deal about manned aircraft being a thing of the past. It's gonna go away in the future. Same could be said for films like this, but as Tom Cruise said, maybe so, sir. But not today. We still have films like Top Gun Maverick to enjoy in the theaters right now. And it's amazing. Out of how many G's in an inverted dive out of five are you going to pull? I'm going to give it a 4.5. A 4.5. You're pulling a 4.5 G inverted dive? 4.5 G, yep. Incredible. I'm going to go ahead. We've talked about it before of the rating system Mm -hmm. and just feeling it, just feeling that gut reaction. How do you feel it? I'm pulling a 5G inverted dive. Damn, he really likes it. It's a big experience. I mean, yeah, I got to see it with my dad, who of course is a pilot, and he just absolutely was in love with it, hearing him gush about it afterward, talk about all the pilot things and all the fighter pilot stuff. It was great. So again, feeling the emotion that I felt in the theater and then feeling how that affected people outside of it, so good. So I'm giving that a five star. High praise. It is. I mean, it's just one of those that, like I said, I saw it twice. I think you should go see it again. Mm. It's one of those that truly has rewatchable value in the theater because it's just so exhilarating. Like, we're spoiled with action. I don't know when the next time we're going to get something as well done. Mission Impossible. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be Mission Impossible for sure. Maybe Bullet Train, definitely Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yeah, certainly a high bar being set by Captain Maverick for this year. John Wick 4, whichever comes out first. I don't know which one comes out first. We'll see. But yeah, definitely go out and see this if you haven't already. Go see it again if you have because it deserves it. More films like this need to be made. Absolutely. Give it those sturdy box office legs. Heck yeah. So yeah, good stuff. Top Gun Maverick. The need for speed. I got the need. The need Need for for speed. speed. And then we high five. (laughs) Yeah. That is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. Be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.